Hello and welcome to San of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. New episodes are released every second Monday, and you can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean, wherever you like to get your podcasts. That way you will automatically download the new episodes whenever they're released. For more information and detailed show notes, you can visit soundofthemoment.com. And if you would like to support the show, um, there are now two ways that you can do that. First of all, you can help me spread the word by either telling a friend about the show or by leaving favorable reviews and star ratings, wherever it is that you like to listen to the show. So the iTunes store, for example, is an easy place to do that. And if you would like to help me out financially, that is also possible now. Uh, The show has a Patreon page where you can become a monthly patron. Uh, Donations start as low as $1 a month, if you think in dollars. I know I don't, but uh, Patreon apparently does. Um, So yeah, if you want to kick in a buck or two to me every month to help me finance this show and keep it uh, going, that will be very much appreciated. Uh, Any small amount is really helpful to... um, to cover my monthly costs which involve all of the equipment and the hosting and the web services and all that stuff that i have to pay for um myself right now so if you enjoy this show and you feel like it brings any value to you then uh consider going to patreon.com slash sound of the moment and becoming a patron of mine as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver and you can like the Facebook page of Sound of the Moment. This is episode number 17 for 4th of June 2018. Today, I had the pleasure of having pianist and composer Kaya Draxler on the show. She is super busy with all kinds of projects, uh, as you'll hear us discuss in just a moment. So it was hard to decide what music I should feature at the top and end of this show. But we will start with, um, well, one of the ensembles that she leads that I find extremely exciting, which is the Kaya Draxler Octet. This is from their debut album that came out a couple of years ago now, and it is called A Promise is a Promise. I promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget, promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. I must not forget to remember not to forget that I promise not to forget. I must not forget to remember not to forget that I promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget, promise not to forget. I must not forget to remember not to forget that I promise not to forget. I must not forget to remember not to forget that I promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget. I must not forget to remember not to forget that I promise not to forget. Remember, 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 remember,
forget, not to forget. So I must remember not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget. I promise not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget. I promise not to forget. So I must remember not to forget. I promise not to forget. I must not forget. not to remember not to forget. That I promise not to forget. Not to forget. I must not forget. To remember not to forget. That I promise not to forget. I must forget. Remember not to forget in that I promise not to forget. I must forget not to remember not to remember not to remember not to forget. So I must forget not to remember to forget that I promise not to forget. So I must forget not to remember to forget that I promise not to forget. I must forget that I promise not to forget. I must forget that I promise not to forget. I must forget that I promise not to forget. I must forget that I promise Kaya Draxler is my guest today on the show. Uh, Kaya, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Cool. Um, yeah, I always like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves a bit, um, mm -hmm. tell folks a bit about who you are, what you do, where you come from and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm a pianist and a composer. I come from Slovenia. Mm -hmm. I did my studies first in Slovenia and then in Groningen and in Amsterdam, where I'm uh, based at the moment. And I did the studies of uh, jazz, piano and classical composition. And uh, now I am uh, working as a freelance musician, traveling around and doing mainly my own projects. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's already something quite interesting to me. Um, you, you formally studied classical composition at the conservatory mm -hmm. um, for your master's. Um, I guess that's not that uncommon for people to switch in that way, but like, what was the impetus? Like, what made you decide? I don't necessarily want to do a jazz masters. Uh, maybe you've had enough of that stuff, or like, what was? Yeah, the exactly. I think one of the reasons was that I had enough of the jazz sort of the jazz world. I wanted a change. I wanted to also to meet different people and to to kind of enter a different world. You know. Mm -hmm. But also, um, I wanted to study composition because I've studied, I've, I've always composed, but never I had a, a real, um, yeah, study of it. Yeah. So I was, was interested in that, and I felt that studying, for example, jazz composing, was not so interesting because it's very young, it's very limited in some way. Of course, you can, I mean, you can study just anything, and you can, you know, find interesting things yeah. in in any study. But I felt that classical composition had more to offer or just like a, a richer a richer history and more to to learn so yeah that was but was that always moment. part of your background like the classical music and jazz music thing yeah or? you know it's interesting because i i feel that um when I was younger, I really didn't like it, classical music. Okay. I, I felt it was boring and <laughs> I also didn't like to practice it too much um, because I was always feeling so um, restricted with all the things you should do and also the the whole fact of performing by heart uh, with everyone in the audience knowing what you should play is <laughs> still now for me is devastating. I cannot do it. Yeah. So... Um, and but then somehow always it was there, you know, it was a part of my, um, how should I say, like in the high school in Ljubljana, in Slovenia, we had a, 
the jazz department and classical department. We were studying together. We had classes together. You know, it was always kind of present. It was there. Yeah. And even in Groningen, where I studied, I, I always, I have always admired so much classical pianists. Um, and I was quite in contact with them also, you know, just for technique and um, even for repertoire. So somehow it was always there, but um, as a pianist, I never felt I, I, I want to study that. It was too, tim at, at, how you say? Intimidating, um, no? Yeah. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. So intimidating, that's yeah. the word. Yeah. And... Um, but classical composition seemed a little bit more like, you know, it's um, it's something you can spend your time in a room and and figure it out and, you know, it, yeah. will, it will work. And, and you know, the, also the thing with jazz for me was always that I, I, I felt somehow um, at, uh, connected to it or like I felt really affinity to it, but... I haven't felt that this was my culture or that this was my voice or that, you know, yeah. what has happened so many years ago in completely a different place uh, to very people with very different um, environment um, mm. and also different reasons for doing it. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you know, different race or different, you know, yeah. everything. Um, I felt that it was hard for me to really uh, play from inside and and play that music, you know. Yeah. Um, I always felt I'm kind of a little bit just uh, faking it or not faking it, but like I'm trying to reproduce something that I don't feel exactly, you know. Yeah. So whereas classical music felt more like something that was around me, more than something like I can grasp or uh, like understand or, you know, just even I heard it more on the radio or something. So it felt somehow more close to me in yeah. a way, you know, in a cultural way. So um, I guess this was also one of the reasons why why I felt I need to switch and, and I want to research yeah. something. And for example, listening to someone like Nina Simone playing piano for me was was really an eye-opener because what she does, you know, she has the other way around. She yeah. wanted to be a classical pianist but couldn't. And mm -hmm. then uh, she did this, really her own style of playing piano, which is sort of this like Bachish uh, kind of chorales and inside this swingy um, or yeah. even gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that for me was, for example, something I could relate to. Yeah. Probably also for the fact that she is a woman, which was another thing which was quite difficult in the in whole thing of trying to relate to something. Yeah. You know, because women were, there were, there are some pianists, of course, there were some pianists, but mainly they were singers, yeah. uh, uh, you know, how it goes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I always, like, that, this makes a lot of sense to me. I always found that um, it's not even, like, that I feel that it's, like, difficult to reach, like, to say, if you're going to play bebop, like, trying to, like, play B Charlie Parker. It's not even that that's hard to do. I feel that it's even kind of disrespectful. Like, there's something, yeah. like, claiming that you can, like, play the saxophone like a heroin addict in, you know, the 1940s and all the right. struggles and all the things that you hear in that music. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it was just very difficult to relate to that. So, I, I mean, I understand people who wish to continue this tradition because it is a tradition. And, and um, you know, like some other people in other places also continue their folk music traditions and mm -hmm. just repeat maybe the same thing. I, I can see it in this way, but for me, this is not a way to express myself. I, I just cannot. So I don't, I don't really go there anymore, although yeah. I love that music a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so is... Like, 
obviously composition is a big part of your work. Is the act of composing for like ensembles that not necessarily composing for the purposes of yourself as a performer, but composing for actual ensembles, is that still part of your work? Is that something that you do? I imagine that's what you learned to do to a large extent in school, right? Well, actually, to be honest, the Amsterdam Conservatory has a, a very open program, especially the master's program, mm -hmm. and you are uh, more or less encouraged to work on your own things and really develop in a direction that you wish uh, something that you it will be basically useful for your uh, for your own development and, and for your future. So I, I did write some compositions for like, uh, I don't know, string quartets or like uh, specific ensembles. But then also I, I worked at the time I had a quintet. So I also worked on, on the quintet music with my teacher and also mm -hmm. on my solo things. Yeah. And, and my teacher, Richard Ayers, um, he was really incredible in, in understanding, um, yeah, what, what I, what I w want to do or like, what are my, um, these, uh, like, how should I say what, what I'm lacking or, or where I'm lazy or where I'm, you know, <laughs> what I'm good at and to really um, make that, uh, you know, verbalize that for me. And, uh, it was really a wonderful study actually yeah. with him. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I did some of that and I occasionally do, uh, write a bit for, mm -hmm. for, um, for ensembles, but it's very rare because of more reasons. One is that I have already uh, too much ideas for too many <laughs> ideas for my own groups yeah. or like too, too, I, I need to also write for my own. I want to, and I need to write for my own groups, but then also because I really enjoy to work with people on a longer, um, you know, in a longer span of time yeah. and bring something and then develop it maybe together or at least with the help of musicians and then go back and, and develop it more on my own and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of impossible in the in the environment of contemporary classical music because you have to bring a finished product more or less. I yeah. mean, you can have sessions with people separately, but it's not like you can have people for a couple of hours on a rehearsal to try out different ideas. It just doesn't work this way. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't enjoy that atmosphere and that type of work so yeah. i just kind of decided that i don't really want to do that <laughs> yeah, okay. unless it's really like for example the last thing i wrote was now in january it was for an ensemble uh, from iceland and in which bjork nils daughter um is singing and yeah. you know she asked me and i know her and i know um i i've written for her and and um you know it was different still because it was her friend and, and we had time and yeah. you know but so what does the what does the actual act of composition look like for you? Like are you <laughs> are you one of those people that sits obviously you're a piano player, so it probably makes sense that you would sit at the piano, yeah. but like are you one of those like people that deals in discipline and like I get up every morning and I write or Oh I wish, it, man. It, <laughs> it sounds like you also like to make it a very collaborative process as well. Well there is I mean I definitely um when I was studying composition, one of the best things about it was that we were forced to write all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that thing stayed a little bit with me in a sense that uh, I can decide and say, okay, I will now in this next month, since I don't have maybe many concerts or something, I will focus on composing and I will kick my ass and do it every day or every other day, at least, you know. Yeah. Um, but, and also a thing that I learned from that study was to throw away things, you know. 
I I think I I found my ideas much more precious before the study, <laughs> and now it's like if something doesn't go, you just leave it, and maybe another you know it will yeah. be useful in another day, or you don't have to like go with it and keep it for yeah. you know yeah. Um, but uh, how it looks like is um, usually I I have a kind of period of of uh, thinking of what which direction I I want to go. I have a kind of, it's not so much a, a concept maybe as it is of, uh, as I want to get my myself a feeling of wh- where I want to go, you know. It's a kind of uh, um, mental preparation or something yeah. before, because if I don't do that, usually nothing really comes out. I need to have a direction set a little bit. And, and then if it changes later on, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to stick with it. It's just something to, to have a... To have a context, to have you know. But does that already involve actual aesthetics at that point? Like, do you? I mean, for example, if I if I talk more concrete, uh, when I did the first uh, the first uh, record, so like the repertoire for for our first octet record, which was two which was two years ago that I wrote, or two mm-hmm. or three years ago. Um, I was I, I had at that point really many ideas in my in my mind um, of what I want to try out, and I was kind of writing them down, you know. Um, and the whole repertoire of the first the, this first repertoire is kind of very varied. We go many places, yeah. which is nice. I mean, I was exploring what are the possibilities with the group and and what fits to us, etc. Mm-hmm. But then now for the second repertoire, or how should I say the se- no? Well, now we have a completely new repertoire, and yeah. and and. What I did was um, I focused on one poet, Robert Frost, yeah. and um, I, I found that as a something to you know. It's not only that it's his words; it's also um, what he writes about. It's also the world he creates that that I could relate to very much because I'm from a countryside as well as yeah. he was, and and uh, when he talks about forests and, and smells and and sounds in the nature and stuff. It, no, I can relate to that. And I knew that I want to create that kind of world, not that we're going to play like uh, singing birds or something, you know, but <laughs> yeah. but in inside, like just intuitively what the environment is, was yeah. that. So, I mean, I, I had that in mind and it was kind of a concept, but then, you know, what what comes out of it also depends on each poem. I'm trying to, to also have a, um, still a, a variety the program, even if it's one poet and and sort of one vibe, I, yeah. I, I also want to have a contrast. So, and I, I, I really like to um, use text in different ways. So, I mean, in this case, when I have a text, it's already for me so much of a help because you have a, a sort of story. Uh, so you have a kind of feeling of it mm. and, and um, you also have something for the singers to work with. So either they will, either they will recite it or they will sing it. You can, I have two singers so they can do, yeah, all, there are all these different combinations of things I can, I can work with and then. Or sometimes I start with music itself and I add the voices later. So I don't have really a rule of how I work, but usually I, I, I try to, um, how you say, it's sort of a mix between so, sort of intuitive way and, and a rational way. So like, for example, I can imagine, okay, maybe this kind of, um, um, this kind of principle could work 
for this piece and I try it out and I, I, I go by the rules for a while and then I see that not everything will fit with the rules so mm. I, I alter it and so I try to help myself also you know yeah. with with the knowledge a little bit but then also when that gets stuck I try to just you know intuitively understand what comes next and yeah yeah so it's a kind of mix uh, going back and forth yeah <laughs> and so um well how I suppose there's a few aspects to the the idea of working with text that I'm interested in. First of all, the idea of vocal music is that something that you always related to, or I mean, you put together oh, yeah. this ensemble that involves two vocalists. Oh yeah, I've um, always I've always had vocalists in my groups. Also before in the quintet, we had one singer. Yeah. Before that, I had a septet with a singer, and you know, it's something that I, I don't know. I just really love human voice and. Um, I, I like to work with singers. I find it something that really connects also people to the music, you know. Mm -hmm. It's something, at least to me, it works in this way. When I listen to singers, I immediately, it's a different uh, enter entering into the music, you yeah. know. There's a human voice itself, but then also there is a text, there is a story. Even if you don't understand it, mm. it still gives something, you know, something much more direct, I find, than yeah. an instrument. Um, and also the fact that I'm coming from this like uh, choir tradition maybe also adds mm. to it because when I was young, I, I mean, it was, I was singing in the village choir in the church and, yeah. and also leading some choirs and, you know, it was just part of a normal thing to, to have this singing around. Yeah. So. And so the, so, you, I mean, you kind of explained why Robert Frost because of the whole pastoral like, right. thing, but right. then specifically, how do you pick which poems to work with? And like, is it just that they jump out off the page at you or? Yeah, I suppose so. I think it's, it's more thing. It's uh, first, it has to say something to me or it has to, you know, um, I have to feel connection to it. But then also often I, I find it like, oh, wow, this person could have a solo on this piece or, you know, oh, Bjork would sound so great singing mm. this poem. Or, you know, it's also that I think of the musicians that that are playing the piece yeah. and I'm thinking of how that will fit into the band itself, not mm -hmm. only um, to me. No. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, you, you mentioned in passing now, but um, maybe we should talk about those musicians specifically. Um, yeah. I guess, first of all, like why the octet format? You go from rather small <laughs> things, literally playing solo at the, a lot and stuff, to yeah. putting together a massive, very impractical, I imagine, band. Yes. Um, <laughs> what, where did yeah. that idea come from? Was it just something that needed to happen? And who? Well, it was uh, more things together. Uh, one thing was that... I, um, at the point when I uh, when I thought of the octet, I was I I was playing in that time maybe for two years almost just improvised music, mm -hmm. and I was uh, before that I was studying composition. So, like in a way, after the study of composition, I needed this time of just improvising because yeah, it felt like I need to you know just give a break to to mm -hmm. all that. But um, and but then when I feel this um, this study of composition kind of digested inside of me, um, after that I, I felt like I have all these ideas that I want to that I want to um, uh, ut utilize or yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and. Um, and I really wanted to work with a with a larger group because I felt that you know for orchestration and for um, just like to have 
you know, a lot of options. You just need a bigger group. So, <laughs> um, and um, I knew that also in, in the time that, that I am now, which is kind of, you know, not anymore a student and uh, not yet like a super established musician or something, you know, it's a good time to, to experiment with this kind of thing because I still have energy to do it, you know, and I have, uh, I can just, you know, it can be a little bit... Um, yeah, because you need a lot of, yeah, like just it's so much work and it's so much patience and it's really a lot of energy. And mm. and I knew that now if any time it should be now, you know, to, to, to try something like that. So I, I, I just thought like eight was a good number, you know, <laughs> because, you know, also it, I, I like number eight. Um, and, um, and I thought, uh, you know, it didn't really, at the beginning, I didn't think about this gender thing, but at the end it ended up that we were four men and four women, which I'm very grateful for because yeah. I think it really creates a nice uh, balance also in this way. And I knew that I wanted to work with uh, different um, people from different backgrounds. Yeah. So with people with classical background and with people from more improvised world, from more jazz world, I wanted to kind of make it also a kind of a social and musical experiment so after a quick interruption from yeah. Leonard Handel's the bass player, uh, <laughs> we get back. Um, yeah, mate, um, what was, it, it seems that like picking an instrumentation like this mm -hmm. um, must have come at, at least partly from these are the individuals that I want to work with yes. rather than these are the instruments that I want. Definitely. Um, because I don't think anybody would come up with an ensemble like this otherwise, which is a really cool like side effect of that, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what what was it about each of these people? I mean, that, I was thinking a little bit about the instrumentation too, you know. No, sure. I, I'm not saying you just randomly put eight people in a room. Um, no, but, uh, um, well, I knew, for example... I knew I wanted to work with strings and I've been working with George Dumitriou for many, many years now. And I, I, for example, for him, I knew, well, let me start at the, at the start. Uh, there was the first house concert we did in the North at our house at the time mm -hmm. was with this quartet, um, which was me, Ono, Hovart, Abbas and Adarave. Yeah. And this was a group that, I mean, at that time it clicked so beautifully that I knew I want to do something with this combination. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really want to do, you know, an improvisation group. I wanted to work with um, concrete material. Mm -hmm. So when I started to think of a larger group, I thought like I really want to use this combination plus something extra. And yeah. then because also I knew I want to work with voices, I thought... Um, uh, for example, with Laura, we Laura Polenzi, we we were talking already for a long time that we want to work together, um, and uh, with Bjork as well. You know, she was she has always been around the jazz world and improvised music scene as well, and she's been doing so many different things. And with both of them, I found I, I found them very strong. Um, they have a very strong presence for me, and also um, a very beautiful way to deliver text. Um, and very beautiful colors of voices. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was something, you know, and, and because, you know, Bjork is, of course, a classical singer, trained, trained classical singer. And, but then Laura is just so also like, you know, she can really uh, adjust to that. She can really, um, uh, you know, it's not so easy actually no, to, of course. 
to um, how should I say, you know, to blend in this yeah. way. But I think for Bjork also, she steps back a bit, and she and I'm trying to find ways to sort of facilitate both their, uh, you know, both of them, like their talents also, not just to, to put them always together, so they have to kind of adjust to each other. Yeah. But I think now they came to a point where they even said they want to have a duet, and you know, like they mm -hmm. really found a way to work with each other, which. Yeah. Um, I find very beautiful and um, and then strings yeah I knew I wanted to have strings and and I was not yeah even thinking twice about George of course and Leonard Handels I also really was uh, wanted wanted to work with him also because I really enjoyed his own groups um, Howtown yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, and you know we were always kind of around each other but never really played together and and so like i had really a wish to work with him and because i really enjoy also his arco playing and so on i i knew i wanted someone who you know can also you know really read music and really play arco in tune and really so like i mean these are certain um how i should say qualities that of course not all the you know each of each of these people in the group has different qualities mm. and and uh, i wanted to find a way to yeah to to facilitate these qualities and and to and to uh, also challenge us all you know yeah. in uh, in playing together because it is not uh, not a standard instrumentation but then also not a standard combination of people or of uh, characters you know so um, but I was thinking also of other things. For example, I was thinking of the characters of each of each um, individual and how they could fit together. So to have people who are more initiative and to have people who are more followers and so on. Of course, we are all initiating and following. But yeah. you know, some people are a little bit more on one side and some are on the other. So for me, it was also important to find ways that you know I could have this kind of uh, you know that they they would work really together yeah. we would work together in a good yeah, way yeah. no that's really interesting um the idea of like dealing with personalities that match as well as just musical mm. stuff um yeah you mentioned really quickly in passing the idea of like people that can read and stuff like how do yeah. you deal with notation with this kind of music you know we've tried all different kinds of uh, not all but m many like from graphic notation to very strict notation mm -hmm. and um i think now i'm I, I this new program for example i'm working a lot with general scores mm. so like everyone has the same score no okay. more parts there's only one piece that has parts and mm. uh, the rest is all um, from general score and I, I don't know I think I'm just trying different ways and trying to see what what brings the best result you know because this is what notation is about you know you have to find the best way to to kind of um, bring out your ideas I mean sometimes I wish we would have so much time you know that we would just learn by heart you know that mm. I wouldn't even bring the the notes you know it would be just yeah. learning but then of course I also have some ideas that are maybe a bit too um uh complicated to be just you know yeah. that each of them would learn their part by heart with just although you know people have have done it like you know the into the hot record of Cecil Taylor and, mm -hmm. uh, and well it's on Gil Evans' name but yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that supposedly was all done by heart and I yeah. mean that stuff is complex it's yeah, not absolutely. like they're playing a simple unisono or something you know it's not riffs it's not yeah so yeah, yeah of course it's possible but you have to it also depends what you what what kind of result you want. Yeah, and it obviously requires a lot of time and yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can imagine it must be quite a challenge. Like, how has that been in terms of like 
finding both opportunities to perform and yeah. like ways to rehearse with this like large ensemble of busy people. Like, right. How, how is that? Yeah. <laughs> what, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the most obvious question, but like how... I mean, it's like I'm trying to, I'm trying to schedule in advance as much as I can. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I, I would really love to, for example, tour with this group, but so far we haven't been able to do that. We are doing one-off things, you know, flying somewhere and playing. Yeah. And there are only this many European festivals that are you know, rich enough to afford a big group from someone that is not that famous. Mm. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm really in the, in, and plus I have all these other groups with people who are maybe more in demand or what I should say, I don't know, who are just playing more. And, and, and so, you know, the promoters are like, oh, why would we get an octet when we can get a trio with two other people who are anyways more known than you know than <laughs> I am or like than all these guys yeah. from the or maybe not up but you know yeah, it's yeah. A, I mean it's it's a sad uh, it's sometimes it's yeah. a, a sad I business world you, you know it's <laughs> I guess you kind of shot yourself in the foot by having a whole solo repertoire meaning right. that you know bookers are basically going to say exactly. if I want Kaya I might as well just have exactly. Kaya exactly um, why to have seven more people with her exactly yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. speaking of which, um, maybe we should, we can move on to some of the other things that you're, that you're up to, um, yeah. amongst other things, the solo stuff, yeah. um, you, you mentioned in passing to me before this, that you were preparing a new repertoire <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, can you just maybe speak a bit on your experience of solo and touring by yourself and all that kind of. Yeah. You know, it was not my idea to, to start this solo thing. It was a, a promoter's idea, who would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm very grateful for this idea because I actually started to, I mean, I like it more and more. Mm -hmm. the, it's um, the whole thing, it, the, the fact of being on your own, having time to, you know, contemplate and, and prepare really in a very intimate way, you know, mm. you are just with yourself and you have to kind of really get, you know, the trick with solo is like, you need so much concentration, at least for me, it feels this way. And you only have to, you know, you only, um, uh, there's no one to help you with, with, um, you know, when you are a group, you are kind of, if you are three people and you're all concentrated, you kind of influence each other and you feed each other with that uh, energy, yeah. you know, and here you are on your own and you have to just kind of uh, hold this. This for me is still the most difficult part of solo performing, you know, just to keep the concentration for a long span of time. And also this, this thing of not letting the, this, um, you know, destructive thoughts come to your head, you know, things mm. like, are they bored? Um, you know, <laughs> they must think this is weird or, you know, I'm playing very slow for such a long time. Aren't they thinking that I can't play fast or, you know, like <laughs> all kinds of useless thoughts that yeah. at the end, whenever I listen back to a recording, you know, I, I understand when these thoughts appeared and, um, and I start to, because I understand that I lost the patience mm. and I'm just, I'm just trying to get somewhere without, you know, really the, the musical need for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of ongoing process to learn, to be in peace, to learn, to, 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 you know, stay focused and patient and give time to ideas to develop because also playing Solo, I don't know, you have to really, like things have to develop much slower because, you know, you just have this one instrument and if you give away everything in the first 15 minutes, mm. you know, 
what are you going to yeah. do for the next 30 or yeah. 40 or like, you know, also sometimes, for example, the other day I had to play in Germany. It was like they wanted 75 minutes. I was like, <laughs> I mean, this is okay. I thought like, okay, I will be fine. But like people in the audience were like, how can they hold it for yeah. so long? You know, it's yeah. a lot of piano. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, on the other hand, this, um, this is why I also, I think it was one of the, um, first times that I started to play prepared piano was in the solo concerts because I felt that, you know, one hour of just piano sound is mm. too boring. I need to do <laughs> something else or else everyone will fall asleep, which yeah. by now, I mean, I do always use a little bit of preparation, but not much. Actually, I started to use less and less because I, I find more and more things to, to work with, uh, with piano itself. And I don't think anymore that it's boring to listen to one hour of solo no, piano, you know. Um, but, um, of course it also has to do with experience and, and getting more secure about yourself or about what you do, you know, but, um, yeah, regarding the new material, I'm actually really in this uh, state that I was talking about before where I'm still trying to find like somehow abstractly, I know, um, what I want to work with, but, um, I would like to find a way to somehow it's difficult to compose for piano, I must say. And, mm. and, uh, for yourself, I, d- I don't know why that is so, but uh, I, I feel like I have to find a good balance between giving myself, um, you know, just enough material to work with, but not too much to limit myself. And I mean, it's mm. the eternal question of, of, uh, composing in general, when yeah. you compose with improvisation, you know, yeah, how much information you give and what it will do to the people who play it. But somehow with solo, I find it, it's, I, I get more impatient with myself. I'm like, nah, this is not good, you know. Whereas mm. when I give it to other people, they were like, no, no, give me, give me a moment. I will, you know, it's different when you work with other people's ideas. You find a different, maybe, um, yeah, different trajectory to, you know, to develop the thing that people give you. Yeah. But when you are just working with yourself and yourself and yourself, you are kind of getting so tired of yourself and, you know, you really have to, so I often start to compose things that are way too complicated. And then, of course, I practice them. They get better. Then I realize that it's just too much to to work with because it's already too complex. There's nowhere to go anymore. And yeah. then, you know, it's it's just like now I'm in the time really of, of just uh, composing and throwing away, practicing what I compose and realizing it's not throwing away. But I know that something good will come out of this at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward also this, this um, sort of investigation and and research is a is a fun part at least now i think when i was younger it was more frustrating i think now i i take it more as a um yeah just a fun thing something yeah. that i you know i sometimes laugh at myself i have a a couple of compositions that uh, that are rather new and that i've been playing for a while um maybe for a year or so or maybe a little more and and those i find are really like already a kind of direction for the new um, repertoire, but those are maybe two or three compositions. So I need another four or five, I guess more, yeah. or I, I don't know. I mean, perhaps one day I will, uh, I mean, perhaps the next record will be actually just improvisation. I, I don't know yet what it yeah. will be, but yeah, because when yeah. you, when you're crafting yourself, I mean, I know that like the idea of structure within improvisation is something that's very dear to you. Mm-hmm. Like when you're crafting a solo set, like how much of that is somewhat sketched out. And I know that 
because you don't need to make a set list necessarily. Yeah. Whereas with a band, you need everybody right. needs to know what's going to happen when to right. a certain extent. Right, right, right. Um, do you just sort of go on stage with, I know that I'm going to play these things, but I don't necessarily know what, how long and... I think it really depends. I mean, it always depends on the place I play in and on the piano. And I mean, it. It. I now I don't do set lists before I I see the space in the piano because mm. I adjust the set list according to what the piano can do and yeah. according to acoustics of the place. Sometimes, if everything is very comfortable, I don't make a set list and I just go and play yeah. and see how uh, how it goes, what I feel like. Sometimes, when it's very uncomfortable, I tend to sketch out more because you know to to help myself uh, in times of trouble. You yeah, know? you need a bit of a parachute there in case. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, sometimes I, I I usually start with improvisation and then see how long that goes, and then I sort of. Uh, merge into a piece and then maybe I, I, I play a little bit more improvisation and then again a piece and, and so on. Or sometimes I start with a piece and then I realize I don't feel like playing pieces and I just improvise. So it really depends on the moment and it depends on the space also. And, mm. and it depends on what, for example, sometimes I have new pieces that I want to try out because it's really the best, the best thing for developing the pieces is to just go ahead and try them in front of people, even yeah. if they are maybe not yet finished or even if they are not really strong yet because you really get a different, you know, you work with it in a different way than you would at home. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm interested in that notion of uh, like the instrument that you have for the the night um, having uh -huh. an influence on the music. Like yeah. I know that as a bass player, I tour all over the place and I basically never get to play on my own right. instrument. And that's obviously a source of frustration, but it sounds to me like you have somewhat turned that around into... It's just part of the like the nature of, right. of what it is. I guess all piano players have to deal with that. But yeah, I suppose. I mean, there are there are of course uh, cases where you where it's really helpless, where it's not you know because most of the time, okay, I, I, if you get a great piano, you are just happy, right? Mm. If you get then if you get like for example, if I get an old piano, I'm happy as well because I I've had an old piano for two years at home and I was practicing on it. It was a baby grand Bisendorfer and. As much as at the beginning it was kind of struggle for me because you cannot do the same things that you can do on a modern piano, um, I started to really enjoy it and really appreciate it. And I kind of prefer now to play on old pianos because mm. they have much more character, I find, and, and they have different character in different registers and they have a softer touch and, and more, they can make a more round sound and warm sound. And so I'm also happy with that. But, you know, when you get just like a Yamaha, or a kawaii that is kind of not really good and it's not, you know, it's just, yeah, it's kind of, okay, so now what, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's always, I, I guess there's always a way to, a way to, a way to work with it. I, I guess you always find a way to, to go around it. I mean, you just have to, right? I mean, yeah. it's useless to, to, um, to think about, oh, this is going to be really bad because the piano is really bad. You just try to. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like a bad piano is maybe less of a problem than a boring piano is. Exactly. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And You're that's right. really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I have the same, you know, now I'm, I'm doing this theater thing with a terrible, terrible bass and it's, it's really like, I think I'm going to hurt myself at some point, but it really forces you to play in such a different way. Whereas right. if it's just, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a Chinese piece of plywood that sounds yeah. like every other Chinese piece of plywood. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so um, 
I feel like this transitions nicely into the work that you have done in duo with uh, with Eve Risse, mm-hmm. a French piano player. Um, the record is called Two Pianos. I suppose mm. that probably thematically ties into this idea of like, I don't know if that's what it's meant to be, like an ode to all the pianos or if it's something more the the joke of two like the number two well is that is that it's the old two but it's also uh, an act of uh, how you relate to the piano or how you sort of approach the piano inside the piano or like because we play a lot in inside the piano and I'm not sure actually it was Ev who came up with this. I okay. thought it was a nice one. Hmm. She also wrote the liner notes. Maybe I should reread them because she explains <laughs> it very well what this whole thing is. But it okay. has to do with yeah, the odes to the pianos, but also like us, you know, sort of approaching towards the piano. I mean, you are never really, you know, the piano is also a thing like, you ne- all the other instruments, either you hug them or you blow into them or like, you know, you have them so close to you and yeah. these pianos are just these big machines which you have to kind of just approach and and sit at the piano. You know, it's just yeah. a different, I think it's also this whole um, physical aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, because there's also a mechanism like between you and the sound. Exactly, like, definitely, uh, yeah. But so what like what's the background of that that collaboration like how did that come to be and Well we were actually invited to work together with um, f- by Ljubljana Jazz Festival mm-hmm. they they wanted us to perform together they uh, commissioned us basically to write material and to to make a performance and record it because at the time they had still a collaboration with the Clean Feed Records also mm-hmm. and we were already both on on the label as well um, so, and we both agreed, but we wanted to, we didn't want it to be like an impro meeting. We wanted to really, you know, write yeah. pieces and, and meeting beforehand and, and work on it. So, and, um, yeah, it's, it's been, we are in a way very similar characters, which is sometimes, uh, I mean, which most of the time is super fun, but sometimes also very difficult, as you can imagine, mm. because similar characters work. You know, we are both <laughs> leaders to start yeah. with, you know. So that was already something. And um, we are both composers. And uh, yeah, we have somehow very parallel lives in, in a funny way. We we are always laughing on that. So we find ourselves kind of sisters. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's very beautiful to work with her. And, and um, I think... We have um, different qualities, though, as pianists, I think, and also different aesthetics. So I think that's also a nice thing. And and we both, what was nice also about it was that we both knew that we don't want to do a record where it's just like an overload of piano sounds and, you know, just like a lot of notes. And, you know, we wanted to do something that was, um, that had a, a face that had a, a picture, I don't know, something that was more concrete and, and, and not just a, a wash yeah. of, you know, which is very easy. It, 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 pian- playing two pianos has so many traps because, yeah. you know, it's so nice. You are two pianists and you are, and you can um, imitate each other. You know, it's such a thing too, because mm. you never are together, you know, or very rarely you are together in a band with another pianist. Yeah. Whereas, you know, saxophone players or other, you know, they are, mm. they can much more work with blending and so on. And as a pianist, you're always kind of alone in the, mm. yeah. So there are many traps you can, you can um, get stuck with, but I'm glad that we both, we both thought about that and, and, and we wanted to do something different. That was a nice agreement since yeah. the start. 
And so, like, aesthetically, um, I mean, you kind of vaguely mentioned it. Like, to me, I don't know, I was listening to it this morning before coming here. And, like, I think the first thing that came to mind for me was, like, um, maybe, like, Morton Feldman and that kind of side yeah. of things. Um, is that, I don't know, that was, like, it, it came through super strongly, especially in, like, the first couple of pieces. Like, is right. that something that, I've seen you perform Morton Feldman one time before. All right. Um, which <laughs> is obviously very George, intimidating. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that was difficult, yeah, for me. <laughs> of course, more than Bellman is very hard to perform. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, both that, and I think I saw somewhere online that you've been you've been exploring some of John Cage's music. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did perform that as well recently, yeah. 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 I mean, I think what you are, yeah, I mean, you know, Ev, actually, she started as a flute player. Mm -hmm. And uh, she also played, or she still plays contemporary classical music. Yeah. So definitely, we have this this kind of uh, uh, we are in common, you know. Since yeah. I studied it, also composition, and and since she has performed it, we have that kind of aesthetic in common. So maybe that's also where we meet when yeah. we play, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And so, um, you guys recorded. Uh, you recorded this thing live. I guess mm -hmm. that was probably just the best way to do it somehow, right? Like, uh, I mean, it was also um, practically somehow. Yeah. You know, there was we we recorded in this huge hall, mm -hmm. and it was part of Ljubljana Jazz Festival. It was yeah. they commissioned us, so I mean, we just we just did it that way. Yeah, yeah. but we recorded it in a super nice uh, classical hall in mm. in Ljubljana, like a really huge one, and uh, yeah, it was very nice to do yeah. that actually. And really has, there nice been, has there been other opportunities for you guys to, to do it? Um, yeah, actually, we have had quite some concerts and we will still have them. Yeah, it's quite interesting that there are places with two pianos. Mm. And, uh, you know, when there are places with two pianos, they, they like to invite two pianists, actually. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I have another group with, uh, with uh, Alex Hawkins and then it's a septet, you know, yeah. uh, we're playing uh, Cecil Taylor stuff, um, uh, mixed. Mm -hmm. um, so it's his compositions, but... Uh, but it's interesting that even with that group, we had a couple of concerts, which yeah. is a septet with two pianists. So <laughs> it's really something special. I would never have thought that, uh, you know, this can work. But there are places with, with more than one piano. Yeah. And they like to uh, take advantage of that, you know. Oh. Uh, just uh, from time to time, uh, they have this thing that, you know, only one piano can be prepared. And we are both prepare, preparing or yeah. playing inside. So. We have to adjust a bit, but I don't mind so much to not play inside. I mean, she's really the master of that and she really can't live without it And in a way. I mean, at least not for this program. I don't know if she does program that is completely um, on only on the keyboard, actually. But um, yeah, for me, it's a little bit more flexible. So we can kind of do it, but it's not the same, you know. When yeah. we can both play inside, it really creates something special. Cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, it feels to me like the projects with you are kind of endless. Um, maybe you want to touch upon, um, there's a couple of other things. There's a quartet called Hearth that yeah. you've, uh, you've got some shows coming up. That's with three horn players, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a challenging one because um, we are only improvising. So we, we don't have, uh, we have, we have had some rehearsal periods when we would just explore what are the ways to play together or which directions we want to take. But, um, uh, and for me, this is a challenge also because, you know, I'm the only non-horn. There is no sort of anything rhythm section like in yeah. this group. There is just sa saxophones and trumpets. So it's really an interesting, um, 
an interesting group to work with just sonically, like how, how to blend or how to make a piano not sound like an accompaniment to three horns, you know, yeah. it's basically how to make four, um, equal voices, you know, come out. But, but, uh, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. And I think in, in a way we have a very, um, well, we have a similar background in a way, the four of us, I mean, in this way of being, I mean, them more than me, even since they are really this, you know, girls in a very manly world, like saxophones and trumpet is like, yeah. they were like, and it's always kind of like, we are like four guys, you know, <laughs> almost <laughs> when we meet, it's super, uh, it's super chill. I really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, very, it's very chill band, but, uh, but we have also a very, um, similar in a way, a similar, similar aesthetics, I suppose, like, or, or just like where we don't want to go. We know, we know that we knew we didn't want to make like a free jazzy thing, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't, not that I have something against it, but it would be very easy to do that with two saxophone players, especially with the, the way they play also, you yeah. know, usually. Yeah, yeah. So they also wanted to, we all wanted to try something a little bit outside of what we normally maybe do. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I saw that you've got some gigs coming up with that band, but yeah. is there like recording um, plans? Well, and we are recording, uh, we, we have recorded, uh, actually there was a, a concert which was supposed to be released, but we don't like it so much. <laughs> okay. Then we had a concert that we played at the Beam House, which we like a lot, but unfortunately we... We didn't have the tracks, so we oh. cannot release it. Yeah, um, because it's just the piano is just gone from mm. the mix, and so we are trying and recording because we would like to have something, um, you know, that we really enjoy. Yeah, it's not that what we recorded is bad or something, but it's not, you know, to the to where we would like it to be. And of course, it's a particular thing because to to record this kind of music in a studio doesn't really work so well, I suppose. No. But you know, so you have to have just a, a nice concert. But you know, you never know when yeah. it comes and what kind of instrument, what kind of uh, space you get. Yeah, it's yeah. all lottery. So we're taking it easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like we. Kind of running out of time, yeah. Um, uh, but there's still a lot of things I want to talk about. But uh, we could obviously talk. I mean, as far as I know, there's there's a record coming out in November from this trio with uh, with yeah. uh, Peter Eld and, and uh, Christian Lillinger. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to go over that too much. Um, <laughs> maybe you can come back and talk about it when that happens, or I can have either Peter or Christian on. But um, there is one thing that I think it's important that we do discuss, which is Duke and the Duke Festival oh, that's yeah. coming up, definitely, um, because. November is still far away, but Duke yeah, is uh, right. basically Duke next Duke week when this here. is happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, do do you want to like talk about your like Duke in general, your how you got involved with them, and, and um, what the festival is going to look like in that? Well, the festival this year is called This Is Our Music, uh, mm -hmm. so it goes back to the old concept of the Duke Festivals, which was um, that the the members of the Duke were presenting their own projects. Yeah. So this year we are each presenting a, a project of our own. Um, there's three days at the Beam House. There's a fits tour, a bike tour yeah. around the town. There is a, um, one one night at Splendor. Mm -hmm. um, there is some dance involved as well um, and some international guests. So it's quite varied, but it's, it's us leading the groups or at least suggesting the groups. Yeah. Um, I got, so like Duke is a collective of musicians based here in Amsterdam. It's a, it's a, it's an old organization. It started, 
well, now I should, this I should know by heart, but I really don't know actually. But I think it's at least uh, 15, 20 years old, you yeah. know, it's been going on for for a while and it started with the need of um, having a structure that could support musicians uh, who wish to develop their own uh, projects, who wish to to have uh, some sort of budget for inviting people to come and play, for, for rehearsing, uh, for touring and so on. Yeah. Um, and then the annual festival, which happens uh, yeah, every year. So, um, and uh, I got involved with it. Actually, they invited me. They called me, or Michael mm. Moore called me over the phone and he yeah. asked me whether I would like to be part of it because they wanted to have new members. And um, yeah, I was up for it because it's super nice musicians, very different from each other. Yeah. We all have different ways of dealing with things and, and different types of groups and different directions but somehow this brings richness you know yeah i mean it brings fights but it brings richness too <laughs> so yeah. it's a good combination actually yeah cool yeah so uh we're getting to the point where your whole band is going to start showing up in this rehearsal exactly. space we're recording in so we should probably round <laughs> this off um and uh, there will be links to all of the duke stuff um yeah. on the website and hopefully Super. people that are around can check out the festival and things yes. um very last thing before I let you uh, go um, is I always like to ask my guests if there's something that they would like to recommend that the listeners check out. And it can be anything. It can be, you know, movies, books, exhibitions, um, uh -huh. anything you've found particularly inspiring or... Uh, yeah, um, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's difficult to suggest or one or even many things because you're always afraid you're going to forget about something <laughs> that you, that is more important than what you just said. But uh, maybe I can just share, um, I'm reading at the moment uh, a book from Jung, Carol Gustav yeah. Jung. Mm -hmm. It's called Four Archetypes. Okay. And it's a super nice reading. Um, and more than that, I... I really uh, recommend another book that he wrote and it's called mm, Memories and what? Wait, Memories and? It's basically his autobiography. Yeah, okay. So that's been translated into many languages and it's mm -hmm. really one of the best books I, I have yeah. I have ever read. Oh, yeah. Myself. We had a long discussion about Jung when I had uh, Christian Kanchan on the show. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he's very obsessed with oh, the idea yes. of like the Jungian like exploration and stuff. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Uh, Kaya, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And um, hopefully we'll have you back when you have more things to talk about. You always have loads of things to talk about, it seems. So um, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. That was Kaya Draxler. I'll be playing some of her duo with Evresa to close out the show. So um, stay around for that. There will be links to her website in the show notes at soundofthemoment.com and if you'd like to keep up to date with her many activities and of course purchase all of her music you can do so over there. I would like to thank my fellow members of Ktrio, Christian Andres for providing the intro and outro music that is playing under me right now. The show has got since about a month ago, there is a Patreon page, a uh, Patreon campaign that allows people to make donations to me and to Sound of the Moment. So if you happen to have a couple of bucks to spare each month to help me keep this show running, then please go to patreon.com slash sound of the moment or just follow the link that is on soundofthemoment.com um, to help me out with that. I would be extremely grateful if you would consider doing so 
if you have any feedback or you want to reach out for me to me reach out to me for whatever reason uh, you can do that on Twitter at Pat Cleaver you can also do it on Facebook at San of the Moment and you can email me directly at pat at sandofthemoment.com if you would like please add the show to all of your subscriptions so iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean whatever you like to use RSS readers if you still use one of those and give it a favorable review or rating while you're over there that really does help me a lot and it also warms my heart of course or just tell a friend that's also very helpful I do notice that um, whenever people do mention this show to to other people then it, it does grow the audience considerably so please consider doing that as promised we will end this show with more music from Kaya this is from the album Two Pianos in duo with Avrisser and it's called Dusk Mystery Memory Community thank you so much for listening I will be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment <laughs>